Welcome to our second bonus episode. Today, we'll look back at Zach's sermon on Shamgar and talk about a few of the extra things we couldn't fit in. So Zach, I am absolutely amazed that uh, you took one verse and spoke on one verse for uh, 20 minutes. I shudder to think what you'd do with Psalm 119. It's got like 180 <laughs> verses. <laughs> the cool thing is when it's when there's when there is less to start with, I think you can determine which route you want to go a lot easier. Whereas when it's more precise, you kind of get led down the trail it's already established. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. It does. So, yeah, I, I ran into that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, even even though it was, um, you know, a pretty short verse, not a lot of information, I did find a few things that I thought were good little tidbits of information that don't necessarily fit with where I was going with the sermon, and so I didn't try and jam them in just for the sake of it. Um, well, let's let's start yeah. there. Yeah, what, what are some of those... Uh, extra things. Um, okay, so the first thing we talked about, and this was actually where I, I referenced uh, tuning in here, was about uh, Shamgar, son of Anath. Yeah, right? it's interesting. Um, generally, at that time in the world, in near ancient or ancient Near Eastern uh, culture, you wouldn't put um, son of a woman of the mother, right? So a Nath is a woman's name. That's right, right. Generally, it would be the father, though, right? It would be right, the dad yeah. of the person. Um, but a Nath is a woman's name. Um, so if you do a little prying on who is a Nath, a Nath is the name of a Canaanite deity, of a Canaanite goddess. Um, also known as Anat to the Egyptians, um, or Anatu to the Egyptians, and then there's. Uh, Later, it's actually translated into Athena to the Greeks. Oh, wow, wow. Um, so she's a warrior goddess. We know Athena's a warrior goddess. Um, and so Anat is, or sorry, Anath is uh, a warrior goddess. So Canaanite, Egyptian, um, uh, Greek, so is it Mesopotamian, Babylonian? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, if you look into like the pantheon of things, Anath is the older sister to Baal, and the, it also looked like maybe they had a little bit of an incestuous relationship going on. But as we know from pagan gods and goddesses, they loved that sort of thing. So that wasn't exactly uh, surprising to me to read. But yeah, so Shamgar is the son of Anath. But Anath is a pagan goddess, a, a, a goddess of of Canaan. Right. And so that kind of leads us to believe there's the possibility that one, uh, that Shamgar isn't an Israelite at all. Uh, that is a possibility because Shamgar isn't, uh, well, sorry, there is a lot of argument as to whether or not Shamgar is an Israelite name at all. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess it is possible that he would be an Israelite, but maybe with a Canaanite uh, mother or father, uh, that he's of some Canaanite descent. Uh, okay. um, but there is some connection to Canaan, uh, to the Canaanites there, that he would be born under 
a Noth's protection like that. So he might have been <clears throat> like a proselyte, maybe, or or maybe even not Israelite at all. Right, just right. God used him. Right, which would kind of, I mean that would kind of make him an outcast, right? Like I mean he probably wouldn't be viewed favorably if he is partially Canaanite. And, and we, yet, because he delivered Israel from Philistines, uh, he, he would be sympathetic to the Israelites. Right, right. And so, I mean, that, that seems like the kind of person that God uses often, though. God uses underdogs to accomplish things often. And so that, that really doesn't strike me as shocking. Well, in, in uh, the, the sermon that's coming up, Deborah, God uses another non-Israelite woman, Jael. Uh, and uh, she kills Sisera. Right. And so we, we do see this theme of, like, God can raise up judges that aren't Israelite. And so, yeah, I don't think this is outside uh, of the, the, the realm of possibility, you know. Uh, um, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Well, the other actually uh, came as a question from Al Schwitz. Okay. So thank you, Al. Uh, Al suggested we do a little bit more research on the ox goad. And so okay. uh, we did that. And yeah. uh, what, what are some of the things that you found out? Uh, so the best sort of comparison I heard to an ox goad is ink pens, right? We know that all ink pens have the same function. They're yeah. used to write. but. Your ink pen and my ink pen may look completely different. You can have a little cheap plastic ink pen or you can have a really expensive metal ink pen. You can have some that are uh, fatter casing, bigger, almost like a cigar tube looking pen, or then you got these tiny little thin ones. Sometimes they got a little animal eraser on top of them, right? And so the um, in the studies on the Oxco that I was looking into, um, it's sort of the same thing. It can be made of just wood, like the one we had in the sanctuary. That very well could have been what somebody used as an ox goad. Beyond that, they could be made of brass. They could be made of iron. Um, they're generally six to eight feet. I'd say ours was like five. Does that sound about right? Yeah, ours is about five feet. But it, it was too short for a, a functional ox goad. I don't know. You could probably use it, and somebody yeah. probably had one like that. But six to eight feet seems to be the, the norm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one end was generally a pointy stick like what we had upstairs. Um, but what could happen with the other end is it had to serve other purposes as well. It's a farm tool and so they'd be multi-purpose. They weren't just to, to move along the animals. Uh, sometimes they would have a hook and so you could pull at weeds or pull up um, plants huh. that you had planted. Um, another thing that happens is since the goat is used um, to keep animals plowing fields in line, the plow blades would get uh, mud caked on them. And so you would need a tool capable of scraping the mud off of those blades. And so the other end of the ox goat could also be a blade similar to like a sword or something. Now, it's not going to be sharpened to do, you know, war with. You know, it's, it's made to scrape mud off the right, right, of plow right. blades. But nonetheless, um, I, I guess it is possible that Shamgar could have had more of a bladed weapon um, to fight with. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So it doesn't change anything that we were talking about on Sunday. It's still a farm tool used right. by a farmer, right. but God's Spirit comes on him and 
six six hundred Philistines later. Right. <laughs> he's right. done. And you know that was one other thing I kind of wanted to mention is, um, I didn't really talk about this on Sunday, but the the fact that he killed these six hundred Philistines that didn't have to happen all at once. I mean, this could have taken oh that kind of makes sense or months. Yeah. I mean, um, if you read. It, it seems like people, it, uh, is it in Deborah where Shamgar's mentioned, um, where it says the people of Israel were afraid and they kept to winding paths. They didn't take the main roads and things. And so I almost wonder if there's an element of like guerrilla warfare with Shamgar that he's kind of taking out small groups of these bad guys at a time. Nonetheless, 600 people is a feat for a guy who never planned on doing that sort of thing. But... Um, that, that's the other thing that, that I saw when I was uh, going through Deborah and Barak, the, the very end of verse of chapter 4, says from that time on Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin, their enemy, until they finally destroyed him. So it, it didn't come in a day, it was over a period of time. Right. Shamgar might have been something very similar. Right. Um, uh, who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm also going to assume this didn't mean he did all this by himself. He could have had other people, but we know Shamgar himself killed 600 people. So who knows what all these other people amassed. But um, yeah, he. we don't know the time frame. So I, I think it's kind of dangerous to just assume that, you know, he's in a field swinging a stick and... Uh, <laughs> swinging a pointy yeah, stick. <laughs> yeah, and one of these 600 surrounding men can't get a, a stab on him. You know, that just seems a little far-fetched. Um, and so I, I assume this was a long, drawn-out process. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, great. See uh, what else you can get, even out of one verse. Right. More than you can cover in 20 minutes. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> so great. do that with every verse, right? Because <laughs> you will learn a ton. Thanks for listening to our bonus information about uh, Shankar. Next week we'll come back and we'll have more bonus information for you on Deborah and Barack. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.